much. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Thank you for those leading us in worship today. Good morning to everyone. And welcome all of you. Extend my welcome this morning to all here and those in the hub, those who are joining us online. And I want to say if you looked in your bulletin, make sure we're clear on this. I am not Fred Blevins. <laughs> And boy, is he ever glad. <laughs> I think Ruth is as well. But our uh, elder uh, here, Fred Blevins, was scheduled to preach today. Uh, but yesterday started feeling unwell, running a fever. And so uh, our prayers for him today. And uh, Fred, we are praying for you. Uh, Fred's recovering from some surgery recently, so we continue to pray for you, Fred, but I want you to know, uh, next Mother's Day, you're up, okay? <laughs> 2023, be ready. Also, let me say, if I could this morning, a thank you to uh, some special people uh, here and in the Hub online, that is to all the mothers uh, joining us today in worship, thank you, thank you, God bless you, incredible ministry and impact that you have. Thank God for you. I want to say thank you to Susan, my wife, wherever she is, <laughs> for being the awesome mom that she is. We're, okay, over, over here. <laughs> thank you, honey. A great mom. Regularly people ask me, where's Susan? And I say, how should I know? <laughs> she, she's around. She's around. I want to say thank you this morning to three mothers. I want to say thank you to a young woman in East Tennessee who chose life for her baby girl that allowed us to adopt our precious daughter, Ruth. I want to say thank you to a woman in Romania who chose life for her little baby boy so that we could adopt him. He could become our son, Stephen. I want to say thank you to a woman who lived in Indiana who chose life for her little girl so that in time she could become our little girl, Jessica. This Mother's Day, I am very grateful for three ladies who recognized that their unborn child was not their body but another body, another human being, and chose life greatly thankful. And this morning, I'm thankful for my mother, who now uh, nearly 17 years in heaven. So thankful for her. And today, if I might, I'd like to tell you a little bit about her here on Mother's Day. My mom was a woman of many books. I'm telling you, she 
was a reader, voracious reader, even though she only had an eighth grade education because of the poverty of her family. She was not able to attend high school, but she was a, a reader and had great knowledge. Uh, my brother and I used to say, if we could just get her on Jeopardy, boy, we would, <laughs> man, got to get mom on that show. But of all the books, my mother was a woman of the book, the book. When I was a child, I remember, as just a small child, my mom set it as a goal to read the Bible through in one year. And she did that every year, and sometimes twice a year for the rest of her life. My mom read through the entire Bible, I'm sure, over 50 times. I like to say, Mom wore out a lot of switches, <laughs> and she wore out a lot of Bibles. She believed in them both, I will assure you. The morning after her death, on her table next to her chair, I found her Bible. And it's an amazing thing to look through your, your parents' Bible after they're gone. And inside the cover of her Bible, uh, she had written these words and it's my outline for you today here on this Mother's Day message. Here's what mom had written in her own shaky hand, so I know it was later in life. She wrote these things. It's the blood that makes you safe. It's the book that makes you sure. It's obedience that makes you happy. Amen, Mom. <laughs> and I'd like to share those thoughts with you today. This message, I'd like to share with you my mother's Bible. My mother's Bible. And if you would, turn to a couple of passages. We'll look at several, but I'm going to ask you to turn to the passage that was read, Psalm 19. But first, if you would, turn to Exodus chapter 12, Exodus chapter 12, and then we will look at Psalm 19. And I want us to think about what my mom wrote there in her Bible. First of all, she said, it's the blood that makes you safe. It's the blood that makes you safe. Exodus chapter 12, and I would like you to see verse 13. And this is the Lord speaking to Moses, giving Instructions for the people of Israel who were slaves in Egypt, preparing them for the Passover. He said, Exodus 12, 13, Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Now, as you know, this was 
a time of God's judgment on Egypt. Pharaoh refusing to let God's people go. This is the tenth great plague that God was bringing in judgment. This death of the firstborn. Terrible, terrible judgment. God gave his people specific directions. He said that you are to take a lamb, you are to keep it for four days, observe it, make sure it's healthy, and then on that fourth day in the evening, you are to slaughter the lamb for the meal, you are to put some of the blood on the top and the sides of the doors of your homes, and then behind that sign of the lamb's blood, you are to eat this lamb, the meal. And he said, it is the Lord's Passover because I will be passing through the land of Egypt in judgment. And he said, but when I see the blood, I will pass over your home. When I see the blood. Now, have you ever wondered why were any markings required at all? I mean, very clearly, God knows who his people are. He knew every house of every Hebrew slave throughout the land of Egypt. So why did God do this? Why then this ritual? Well, I think many of us understand that it's through this event and the specific directions that the Lord was sharing an eternal lesson not just the event it was an eternal lesson it's a lesson about how sinful people like you and me are forgiven by a holy and perfect God that's what all this was about the forgiveness would come through the blood of a sacrificial lamb. Read, if you would, with me back in chapter 12, verses 3 to 5. I want you to see something. Perhaps you've not noticed it before. The Lord said in verse 3, Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth day of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now notice this. Verse 3 says... You shall take a lamb. Verse 4 says, And if a household is too small for the lamb. And then verse 5, Your lamb shall be without blemish. A lamb, the lamb, your lamb. Why does God say it that way? Because he's reminding us that it is 
through a lamb that salvation will come. He's reminding us that it's not just any lamb, it is the lamb. What was it John the Baptist said when he saw Jesus coming to be baptized? Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the lamb. And then God said, it's your lamb. Because this is your personal salvation. It is this lamb that is your lamb for your sins. And when I see the blood of your lamb, I will pass over you. You see, God is teaching the way of salvation that it is through the sacrifice of a lamb. The lamb, not a lamb from the flocks, but the lamb of God, the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who can be your lamb. For your salvation. A personal lamb. Now my mom knew Jesus as her personal lamb. The lamb of God. Very, as a very young woman at Cave Springs Baptist Church. Seven miles outside of Albany. Or as they would say, Albany, Kentucky. She came to know Jesus, was baptized in her profession of faith. She knew the Passover. I recall my own Passover night. Not everyone remembers the time that they truly came to faith. I understand that, but I am, I'm, I'm glad that I can remember my Passover night when one sunny night, in deep conviction, having heard the gospel, I was back in my room and I remember my, I seen a little booklet, I don't even know where it came from to this day, a little booklet about God's plan of salvation. I got that booklet out and my Bible out, I followed along what was written and the Lord revealed to my heart that I needed Christ and Christ alone. And I knelt by my bed there and called upon the Lord and he blessed me with assurance that yes indeed Jesus was my savior, my lamb. And I remember at 2 a.m. in the morning waking up my mom and dad to tell them what had happened. And we had a little praise celebration back there in that bedroom. I remember looking through my father's Bible and coming across that booklet that he had saved that I read that night of the gospel. I wonder, how about your Passover? Have you experienced your Passover? Friend, I want you to know something. It's the blood that makes you safe. God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. There is now no judgment, no condemnation to those who believe in Christ Jesus. We are free, completely free. Those who are looking to Christ, looking to His blood as their only hope of salvation, God 
grants that faith, that hope, that assurance, and through Christ we are made right with God and judgment is passed. Praise God. Amen. It's the blood that makes you safe, my mom wrote. And then she wrote this. It's the book that makes you sure. It's the book that makes you sure. Not long ago, I was reading some devotions from Mark chapter 9. And maybe you remember the passage in Mark chapter 9. It's where the disciples are, are trying to cast this demonic spirit out of, a, out of a boy. And they're not able to do it. Jesus arrives coming from the Mount of Transfiguration, says, bring, bring him to me. And then Jesus asked the Father, do, do you believe that I am able to do this? All things are possible to the one who believes. And what does the man cry out to Jesus? Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Lord, I believe, but I don't have perfect faith. But I believe you help my unbelief. And the Lord Jesus cast out that demonic spirit and returned the boy to his father. Now, you can identify with that father, can't you? I know I can. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Now here's the question. How does the Lord help our unbelief? We all struggle with unbelief. We all struggle with doubt. Of course we do. But how does the Lord help our unbelief? Well, the answer is exactly what my mom wrote in her Bible. It's the book that makes you sure. It's the book, it's the Word of God that produces faith. It's the book that makes you sure. It's the Word of God that produ produces a sure faith. What did Paul say in Romans chapter 10? Verse 17. So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing through or by the Word of God. Now there's a mystery here. We do not understand how this works. But what we are told here from the Lord Himself, it is that God uses His Word to create faith in us. If we desire to have more faith, then we won't find faith in our experiences or the experiences of others, we find faith and grow in faith through the source of faith, the Word of God. The Word of God brings faith, brings saving faith. What did we hear this morning? Our scripture reading, Psalm 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving or converting the soul can also be translated. The law of the Lord is perfect. And what will the Lord's word do for you? Just condemn you? No. 
Convert you. <laughs> Revive your soul. Many people I know struggle with the assurance of their salvation. And I know some people struggle because they, they can't look back on a, a, a moment or an experience. And I, I shared with you earlier that I can look back to a moment very clear in my mind that I came to assurance of faith in Jesus Christ. But I want you to know that I, I don't have assurance because I can go back to a moment in time so many years ago and remember that experience. That's not the assurance. The assurance is not found in my experience. It's not found in your experience. It's found in the Word of God. This is where our assurance comes from. What did John the Apostle say? 1 John 5.13 These things have I written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Look to whom, he's, whom he is writing. He doesn't say, I've written these things to you pagans who don't believe a thing. He said, I've written these things to you who do believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know. And the word know there means to know personally in reality and experience in your own life that you have eternal life. <laughs> Where do you find assurance? You don't find it in an experience. You'll never have assurance and thinking back to when you walked an aisle or you prayed a prayer or some dramatic moment, that can fade, your emotions can change, but the word of the Lord endures forever. This is the anchor for our soul. It is this book that makes sure our faith. It's the book that makes you sure, a sure faith. And it's the book also that gives you a sure focus. A sure focus. I don't know if you've ever been to one of these movies, 3D, whatever theaters, IMAX, whatever they're called today, where you have to put on these glasses. You've been to one of these? Ever been to one of these? Well, I ask you, if you've ever been to one, do you ever cheat? <laughs> It's weird how you feel a little guilty. You know, you kind of pull your glass down and make sure anybody. You take the glasses off and it's just total out of focus. It's, it doesn't make any sense. You put those glasses on and wow. I remember one time our, years ago, our family's down Chattanooga and we went to IMAX Theater down there, put those glasses on and it had, had some like birds flying at you. And I went, everybody in the theater was going like this. Friends, listen. It's only as we view life through the lens of this book that things come into focus. This book clears up life in such incredible degree. Psalm 19.7, we heard it earlier. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. 
making wise the simple. There are little children back here, maybe not yet three years old, that are wiser than people in this city with a string of PhDs. Because here's what they know. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That's wisdom. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Chapter 19 of Psalms, verse 8. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. You know, my mom wore glasses as long as I can remember. And I inherited that from her. I have needed glasses since I was 19 years of age. I, but I wear the vanity glasses. Some of you wear them as well, okay? Now, she wore glasses, but I want to tell you, my mom had 20-20 vision when it came to discerning the truth. <laughs> my brother and I, Lonnie and I, we still laugh sometimes when we think about mom and, and some TV program would come on or a news program and mom would start talking back to the television. And she'd just say, that's wrong. That's wrong. I mean, mom, you're talking to the television. <laughs> she said, I don't care. That's wrong. And she had this saying from time. She'd say, listen, when this old world is rocking... The truth's going to stand. Wow. Mom was sure. <laughs> she was sure. She had a sure focus. She wasn't questioning things that had already been settled in the Word of God. Most of what guided her life was not up to be determined by public opinion or change. In society. While this old world's rocking. And it's rocking right. This truth's going to stand. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my word. Shall not pass away. It's the book that makes you sure. It produces a sure faith. It provides a sure focus. And I'll tell you what else this book will do. It will place a sure foundation in your life. A sure foundation. I was thinking of this. About a year or two before I came here to Knoxville. I was on staff at Calvary Baptist in Finley, Ohio. And just down the street, a half mile or so, there was a a church that built a, a lovely new auditorium. It was very, very attractive. But about six months after that auditorium was built, there started to be cracks in the wall. Those cracks grew. And that church had an incredible problem because the person, the company responsible for putting in the foundation had done very shoddy work. The church was not built on a solid foundation. 
Now I want you to rest assured you're in this room. I saw the concrete go in these big beams right here, okay? And I was a young guy back then. I, I just wasn't coming up fast enough for me. And these rough, tough guys were building it, and I'd come out and inspect it like I knew was going on. It seemed like nothing was happening, nothing was happening. Finally, one of them, I came out and said, you know, it seems to have taken so long, you know. And he had a little something here in his jaw, you know. I'm not sure what it was. I'm not judging him, okay. He just, he just sort of expectorated there. <laughs> he, he, he expectorated. And he looked at me with a look that only someone with all those years could say. He said, preacher, it's like this. You can't go high if you don't go deep. I said, thank you very much. I think I'll go back to my office now. <laughs> you can't go high if you don't go deep. I'm glad they went very deep, aren't you? Yeah. Sure foundation, we need to do the same with our lives. How do you build a life that lasts? How do you build a, a life that lasts? Well, yes, diet, healthy habits, exercise, but how do you build a life that lasts? Listen to the master builder. Listen to him. Matthew 7, 24. Therefore... Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will compare him to a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on what? The rock. <laughs> it was founded on the rock. Can't you just hear? Those children singing, I was hearing you. You're, you're, here, you're saying it. The wise man, what? House upon the rock. Foolish man builds his house on the sand. That's how you build a life that really lasts. In fact, listen, it outlasts you. That's a life that lasts. Life like my mom's, I trust maybe your mother or others that have had influence in your life, they've gone on, but they being dead still what? They still speak. They still are influencing you. Their life lasts. When we live our lives based on this book, we live a life that leaves a legacy. We live a life that leaves a legacy. My mom left a legacy. Not of money, I can assure you, because I was executor of her will. But she left a legacy priceless. Priceless in faith. Life built on the foundation of this book. When I was reading my mom's Bible a few days after her passing, her funeral was held here, as was my father's. 
I remember reading and claiming some things in my mother's Bible that spoke to me. I shared them at her funeral. I claimed them for her children. Children and children. What did we sing this morning? And thousands of generations. Isaiah 5, 59, 21. Isaiah 59, 21. And this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit will not leave them. Neither will these words I have given you. They will be on your lips and on the lips of your children and your children's children forever. I, the Lord, have spoken. prayer of my heart is that I and my children and children's children children by God's grace will speak the words of the Lord forever I came across this passage as I claimed for myself as I thought about my mom and her legacy and you know these words are so much even more powerful to me today, these nearly 17 years later. Psalm 71, verses 17 to 18. I, I sometimes refer to this as the psalm of the senior saint. And I hate to say it, but I think I are one now. <laughs> Here's what. David prayed, God, you have taught me from my earliest childhood. And I constantly tell others about the wonderful things you have done. Now that I am old and gray, do not abandon me, O God. Let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. That's a legacy. That should be the heartbeat of every senior believer in Jesus Christ. Now that we're old, don't abandon me. Let me proclaim your power. Let not my words be bitter words, complaining words, words of doubt. But in my gray hair, let me proclaim to a new generation your mighty miracles for all who will come after me. It's the blood that makes you safe, Mom wrote. It's the book that makes you sure. And then finally she wrote this. It's obedience that makes you happy. It's obedience that makes you happy. And I, you know, I've thought, <laughs> poor mom, she just didn't get it. She just didn't get it. I mean, it's just as clear as it can be. Just reach for one of those magazines at the checkout counter. It's broadcast on talk radio all the time. How could you miss this on television? 
I mean, it's plastered over social media. Don't you? Did you miss it, Mom? It's the, it's the beautiful who are happy. It's the wealthy who are happy. It's the successful who are happy. Poor Mom. She just didn't get it. No. She got it. She got it. Here's what she got. Psalm 19, verses 9 to 11. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great. What? Reward. My friend, listen. Virtue is its own reward. Obedience to God is its own reward. Jesus so wanted us to get this. Because it's completely, completely contrary to what the world teaches. He so wanted us to get it that he not only told us, he showed us. You remember John 13? He got up, took a basin, filled it with water, wrapped a towel around his waist. He went around and he washed the disciples' dirty feet. That should have happened before the meal. Why did it not happen? Because none of the disciples were willing to take the place of a servant. So Jesus got up and did it. And then John, who was there right next to Jesus, records what Jesus said. Jesus said this, John 13, 17. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. What are these things? Serving others. Putting others before yourself. Being concerned about your brothers and your sisters. Concerned about people that are hurting. Do what you can to help them. You may get a little messy. The water you put your hands in may be a little dirty and murky. It may splatter on you, but I'll assure you something. If you... Do this, you will be blessed. You'll be happy. My mom knew much heartache in her life. I, as I think back over her long life of 81 years, she was a woman of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As just a girl, young teenage girl, she became caregiver for all of her younger brothers and sisters because her mother had experienced a complete physical, mental, nervous collapse and was inca- incapacitated really the rest of her life. And beginning as just as a teenager, she was, for all purposes, the mother in the house. She married my dad at the age of 24. By the time she was in her 25th year, she 
gave birth to a severely mentally handicapped son, my brother Lloyd. And she cared for him daily, all of his needs. You can fill in the blank and imagine for the next 49 years. Until my father passed, she could not do it. And then she had to know the grief of seeing her 49-year-old son leave the home to be cared for by others, knowing that she would probably not see him again. She lost a little boy at birth, my brother, Stephen. She lived a life that knew chronic pain and illness. She buried a son, she buried her husband, she buried eight brothers and sisters. And yet, my mom smiled a lot. And our home had lots of laughter. It was not a place of gloom and doom. It was a place of great joy, lots of laughter. And my mom was a woman. Who smiled a lot. She laughed a lot. See, she experienced what we can all experience. It's obedience that makes you happy. God chose a path for her that was hard and difficult. And she struggled with it greatly. I know. But. She was obedient, and she was happy in the Lord. I remember the last two days of her life, I sat by her bed, and uh, my mom was very alert, but somehow she was as if she was far away. She was alert, but far away, just continually kind of looking away. And she had the most beautiful and serene smile on her face. And I told Susan, I remember telling Susan before she passed, I said, you know, mom's at peace. She's at peace. And from some of the things she said and from her countenance, I truly believed and still believe she knew. She knew her journey was complete. And you know what? Heaven was already in her heart. How could that be? When she was so ill and life had been so hard for so long, how could that be? Let me tell you. It's the blood that makes you safe. It's the book that makes you sure. And it's obedience that makes you happy. Amen, Mom. (laughs) Amen. Timeless words written in my mother's Bible. And I pray they'll be inscribed on our hearts today. Let's bow our heads. Lord, I do bless you this morning for the legacy of my mom. I thank you that she and my dad and my brothers and aunts and uncles and relatives 
So many friends rejoice in your presence. Lord, I pray for us today. I pray for moms here. And I know, Lord, this is not an easy day for some moms uh, for different reasons. And I pray that you'll minister grace to them. And Lord, I bless these mothers, grandmothers. I pray for the mothers to be in your time. Lord God, I pray that their legacy will be incredible. And I pray for children and children's children. I pray, Lord, until you come, even if it's a thousand generations, let the legacy of women of faith here go on and on. And Lord, not just mothers, we all have this, that we can choose a legacy that lasts. But Lord, we are... We are so bombarded. We are so prone to wander. We are, we are so susceptible to the lies of this world, the lies of the enemy, the lies of our own flesh about what makes us really have a life that matters. Oh, Lord, may we see that it's in Christ alone and only in Jesus that we have abundant life. A life that lasts through these days, but on into the days of eternity. Lord, I pray now, right now, and ask that everyone who hears this may, with all their heart, seek their own Passover. As they look to the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, thank you that the promise is still there. When we look to the blood, you look to the blood and you pass over judgment. We praise you for that. Lord, help us to say, take anything else, but just give us Jesus. And God's people said, amen, amen. Amen.